This is the Employee Experience in Education podcast, the teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Juan Alvarado. Juan is a widely regarded United States Army War veteran who has trained teams of tens of thousands of soldiers in high-stakes situations and now helps school districts increase team efficiency and strengthen communication. Today, Juan will share how leading without intention will place you in tension. He will also share the power of purpose, the risks of complacency, and why focusing on wellness isn't enough. Juan, thanks so much for joining us today. I can't wait to hear your story, hear about how you're supporting educators out in the wild. But before you get to that, you come to us in kind of a different path. You're not a traditional educator, if you will. So how did you end up working with school administrators across the country? Yeah, so uh, I a lot of experience in leadership. So that's where I kind of hang my hat. Um, I'm a United States Army war veteran, uh, worked for the police department for a while, and then I left and said, I just want to do more. I knew I wanted to work with youth. And so I started to work with youth in uh, before, during, and after school programs. And and then was doing that for years, moved my way up to director of programs, expanded a nonprofit, um, went from 70, 80 staff to 200 staff, and started um, working that HR uh, kind of pathway to get people in. Retention was really... Um, low, if you will. And so we were hiring hundreds of staff every, every year and got retention down or excuse me, got retention up to stay up. And we were barely hiring hardly anybody because we were pouring so much into our staff. And then I started to train classroom management, behavioral management, and organizations started to say, Hey, we had a visitor here. You speak, can you do, uh, our training? So I did a training and then somebody there was like, Hey, our keynote speaker backed out. Could you do this like in the keynote? And I was like, sure. And then a guy from there was like, can you do our summit? And I was like, sure. And then after a while, people were like, you know, you can you can do this for a living. I was like, huh. And then as gigs started to come and they started to pay because I was doing everything for free, I got to a point where the checks coming in from speaking started to match um, the whole nine to five nonprofit work. And I was like, oh, man, I can I can do this. And so the angle that I come from when I speak to the education system is leadership, intentional leadership, purposeful leadership. I have a keynote that is called Let's Move With Purpose, Towards Purpose, On Purpose. And it's just about that intentionality that I think we lose um, when we have people move up the ranks, when it's the normal nine to five, the daily grind. We lose the intentionality and complacency sets in. And if you're not careful with complacency, it will damage and demolish a relationship, an organization, even a school. So that's kind of what I do now. Uh, I'm speaking in in Stanislaus, uh, California, and um, in their school district. Um, all of January, I think I'm speaking four different dates in different areas of that school district. Um, so I travel all over the place speaking um, just life into our educators because I think we're just in a really rough spot right now between burnout and feeling overworked, underpaid, just this miscommunication. And so um, I'm just passionate about um, our educators. My dad, my father was one. And I just saw the toll that it took on him. And so 
I just I want to be able to support our educators and pour into them because I know that they deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the idea of being intentional and purposeful, you know, it's it's so important, but it's oftentimes forgotten because what happens is we're intentional and purposeful for a long period of time. And then life happens, you know, an event happens and we kind of revert back to to how we were to, you know, ha- approaching people in similar ways as in the past, communicating in similar ways. But I'm curious, what what does being intentional and purposeful look like to you? What's it mean to you? Yeah, everything that we do every single day should there should be a reason behind it. Like when you wake up every day, your feet hit the ground. It should be to to do work. Um, I'm, I'm I come from the motivational sense, so it uh, aspect. So when I say like it's time to do damage, it's time to just like like rip apart those statistics of. And I live in Central California, so we have constant statistics of because you're Latino, because you live in the Central Valley, because you do this, you're going to end up this way. And I'm like, no those those statistics any statistic is intentional to say either we need to do something or you're going to fail and a lot of people the mind is thought to always be negative right how come i can't do this oh, you're so stupid why did you do this? like our mind is that way and so we need to be intentional like we have air in our lungs why would you use the air in your lungs to badmouth somebody to cuss somebody out things like that and so when it comes to intentionality um take just the hiring process um, I'm actually working with an organization now where I'm, I'm asking them, what's your hiring process? And and we talked a little offline about your employee experience. So we could talk about that late, a little bit later. But the phone calls, hey, we want to offer you this position. Who is that coming from? Is it coming from HR? Fine. But it should also be coming from other meaningful people. Like everything that you do from the very beginning should have purpose. When I welcome students into a classroom, it's not, all right, hurry up, get in. What is that about? Come on, it's cold. Hurry up. I don't want to stand here all day. I heard a teacher say that just the other day. It's foggy over here. It's cold. Hurry up, get in class. Hurry up, get in class. How about hello? How about how are you doing? Hey, Sarah, I didn't notice that you weren't here yesterday. Is everything okay? Like everything just needs to be intentional. Like there's got to be a purpose and a reason behind it because everything means something. I'm sure people have had those conversations with a significant other that says, well, it's not what you said. It's how you said it. The tone behind your voice is intentional. What you say, the words have to be intentional because if there's not intention behind anything, I have a saying that says, if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, if you don't have intention, then by default, things will put you in tension. And so it'll start to create tension amongst people, amongst relationships, if you're not intentional. Yeah. And as you know, and and you talked about this a little bit too, the there's general dissatisfaction in the workplace and education right now. And that's both in the workplace, but also work goes home with educators because they grade the lesson plan, all of that. Teachers are leaving and have been at unprecedented levels and administrators. It's about 18% right now, uh, attrition for, for school principals. So if I'm a school leader, how do I, as a school leader, know what to be intentional about? So I'm thinking back to my own days, right? So there's teacher shortage right now. I have to hire in mass numbers because I don't have enough staff. I have to figure out who's going to cover my classes. I have to be intentional about taking care of my teachers, taking care of my students, myself somewhere in there, parents, community. There's all of these things that I could be intentional about. How do I even get started? Yeah. The best place to start is where you are, right? They, you know, there's a saying that says, if not now, when, and if not, and then if not you, who, right? And so um, there's another saying that says, the best day to start was yesterday. The second best day is today, 
right? And if we don't start, just get started, you're never going to get started. Um, and I think when when all that stuff happens, you listed all these things. This is what I'm talking about with complacency. It's not the 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 first burger that you ate or the first piece of pizza. It's the seven months of burger eating that put on the weight. It's the I'm busy right now. Let's hold this off until next week. Let's put this on the back burner for now. It's all those little conversations that build up to where we are with, I need to do this, 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 and this. It's the complacency uh, portion of it. So we have to start now. I would say your people should be your first priority. Um, we're constantly about policy, procedures, and paper. Well, who's behind policy, procedures, and paper? People. People's where you start. People should have that importance. Um, and so when we in Gallup, so I'm a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, and so I work with educators in, and students doing the strengths assessment so they understand the verbiage and, the, and how to meet kids where they are and then how admin can meet with teachers where they are using the, the strengths assessment. But there's a, a piece on there. It's called a Q12 assessment, a different, different assessment about engagement. Where's your organization lacking in engagement? And one of, those, one of the things that we learn with the engagement piece is the communication piece uh, of it. And so speaking to your, speaking to your teachers and asking them what their, what their needs are. And there's, there's a lot of, of issues there because there's miscommunication. I think on the, one of the posts that you posted, I think it was like, it said something along the lines of, um, we need to create better culture in our school systems. And I said, well, the problem with that is the people are the culture. So you either got to, got to get rid of all the people and start fresh, or you need to support your people. Well, who supports the people or who supports teachers? Administration. And this, to me, this is where, and no offense to any administrator anywhere, there's a great administrators all over the place. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at teachers are leaving, or this is where I was going, teachers are leaving at a high rate. I wanted to say it was like 50% of first to five years teachers. So it's in their first five years. They're leaving at 50%. That's a lot. Gallup says 51% of leaders in the workplace, excuse me, 51% of employees in the workplace leave because of the manager. So if that coincides with education, who's your manager? Your assistant principal, your principal, your superintendent for that matter. And this is the hard pill to swallow. And this is where I, where I learned a lot as a leader from the military and leading hundreds of thousands of people overseas was, what did I do wrong? Even if I know that I'm 100% correct, what, what responsibility can I take? And so support is going to come from that administration. How can I help you, right? What is it, uh, JFK, that said, don't ask what your country could do for you, but what can you do for your country? It's like, what can, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I support you? And so where do you start? If you're losing teachers, that would probably be the number one spot is how do you feel? How do you make them feel? How do you make them feel supported? And that would be a good place to start relationships. Yeah. And what, what's so interesting to me about that is so many times we don't have one-on-ones in education. A principal very rarely sets down with a teacher simply to say, hey, how are you? What can I do for you? What barriers do you have? There's all of these other things that get in the way. You know, most of the time, and I'll fall on the sword here myself, when I was an administrator, I would sit down and have a post-observation conference. So teacher evaluation, I sit down, spend 15, 20 minutes on, you know, reflect on your instruction for me. What are you going to do differently next time? I didn't sit down and say, hey, I noticed that you've got a lot on your plate right now. 
what can I do for you? How can I take care of some of this responsibility for you? It just doesn't happen very often in education. Uh, and I think, again, that's where the intentionality comes. Like, I, I, I compare teachers to middle management because they, they have to teach their students and be there for their students. The learners that might be behind English, English language uh, learners, they have all this stuff that they're kind of up against. And then they have the administration telling them, like, hey, where, you're behind in the curriculum. Like, I have to keep this pace and I have to get to this mark and we're not there yet. And then we have testing and it's just like, I want to be here for my students but yet I'm getting pressured that I have to keep on doing this or I don't have the right materials and, and things like that. And so being a, an, an educator is hard. It, to me, it's like middle management where you're getting pulled every which way. This is where burnout starts to set in. And this has probably been one of my biggest uh, asks when I come to do trainings or keynotes is, can you go over well-being? And so uh, that's one of the things, I think I have two uh, this month, or excuse me, in January, um, just out the gate that I just got called yesterday about, can you do a well-being training with us? I'm like, absolutely. Um, because it's the, the whole training is the five essentials to well-being and how to prevent burnout. And a lot of education systems, especially here in California, they're doing all this wellness stuff and wellness is just in one area. Well-being is in five different areas. So it's the whole, the whole being, not just one area, but everything is like, it's kind of sappy. I, I tell people, Hey, I'm going to be open and honest. I'm going to be straightforward. I don't sugarcoat things. If I tell you, you need to look in the mirror, I'm going to tell you, you need to look in the mirror as professionally as I can without being, you know, stepping on toes and being disrespectful, but we can't sugarcoat things. This is the issue with complacency is I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to offend anybody, but if you need something, you have to ask. I talk about, there's a book that I read that says, um, asking you shall what? And everyone says receive. I'm like, asking starts the receiving process. If you're tired of what you're getting, you need to change what you're giving. And part of that is, asking for help, asking for support, asking starts the receiving process. And so uh, all these all these uh, organizations are coming in saying, hey, administrators, I want to teach you about wellness. And it's and I'm like, it's not about wellness. It's about the well-being. And, it, and it's like journal and do this. And so the example that I give is uh, I deal with this uh, sometimes a lot. And so this is the analogy that I give. It's like giving Tums antacids for acid reflux. It's not, that's, that's a band-aid fix. How about you stop eating the salsa, the chili stuff, the hot stuff, the sugar, the chocolate, whatever it is. That's where the issue lies. So yes, you can journal all you want and you can talk to somebody and have these kumbaya sessions, but there's underlined issues that you need to have and discussions that you need to have, the uh, underlined issues that you need to address and stop doing the, the quick fix and start looking at the solution to the problems. I say people are more, uh, are more comfortable with old problems than they are with new solutions. And people are afraid to go into the new solutions part of things. And that's that's something that we have to crack and be whatever you want to talk, call it, man enough, woman enough, person enough, individual enough to have these conversations because the conversations, I'll put it this way, connection before correction. We need to have these, these connections first before we can even correct an issue. And that goes for inside the classroom too. When we're having issues with students, connection before correction. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Is that a is that something that you created there the the terminology? I have a buddy, I have a buddy who works with uh with foster youth and we did a podcast together and that kind of came out of that and I was like, "Ooh, this is good. Let's 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 keep that." But it's it's so true with parenting, with your significant other, whatever it is, if you're lacking that connection or or 
you want to correct something, you know, I don't like the way you speak to me or we're not, you know, physical enough or we're not whatever it is in any in any different relationship connection before the correction. Yeah, I'd love to go down this well-being path a little bit. So what I heard you say was talking about wellness and how wellness is one aspect. It's not everything. It can't be everything. So if I think about the employee experience in education, so this idea of what is it like to work here as a teacher, as an administrator, as a food nutrition service, whatever it is, right? So well-being is certainly a part of that. Oftentimes the message is if you go work on yourself, go do these things. It's, this is a youth thing. It's internal, right? I think it's extremely important that organizations stop and realize that we as employers can have a lot of influence on the well-being of people, right? So school leaders need to plan for this employee experience that increases well-being. It's not just teacher taking care of himself or herself, but it's about everybody moving together and me intentionally providing experiences that teachers need, staff needs to have that well-being. What are your thoughts on that, of the internal versus this intentional design of the employee experience? Yeah, I think I think from the very beginning, the employee experience, that's going to show from the very beginning what is going to be like in this environment. And this is the, the thing that I said we can talk about later on is, and I'm working with an organization right now, is HR calls and says, you have this job. You, with teaching, sometimes it's the principal or the superintendent or whomever it is. Hey, I want to offer you this position. You're, you're going to be our new third grade teacher at this location starting this year. So whoever that is, it's usually just one person. My my um, kind of critique is it needs to come from multiple people. It needs to come from the superintendent or or the next person on the line, the HR person. It needs to come from the principal, the secretary. Hey, I heard like how great would it be for you to get a phone call to say, hey, this is the, the secretary at such and such school. Uh, heard you're joining us this year. I'm so excited for you to join our team. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'll be your first point of contact when you come into to the thing. My name is so-and-so. I'll be right in front. And then the other third grade teachers to call you and say, hey, I heard you're joining our team. I can't wait to share ideas, learning from somebody you know new or you're coming from this other location, whatever it is. But to be overwhelmed, it's very good to be overwhelmed with good things. And so to so that tells me out the gate that I'm I'm welcomed and that I have a team of supporters behind me. And I, I can almost guarantee, almost, because there's probably that, that 1% that does it, that schools don't do that because there's a lot going on. But there's got to be something in place where there's people bringing in this employee experience from the very beginning, from the very beginning. And then, you know, you talk about evaluations and, and observations and things like that. There's some people that that go through almost the whole year before they get observed and then they're like okay you need to fix this 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 and this and it's like wouldn't that be nice if i got that a month into it and i would have had six months of being able to fix it and getting better and this is what i tell organizations all the time like do you guys do evaluations yeah we do one at the end of the year i'm like so basically you're telling them you've been crappy this whole time this is what you need to fix we'll try again next year that should have come a long time ago a long time ago and so how great is it to like we need to stop being like leaders and we need to start being coaches. And I, there's a, a gentleman by the, I forget his name, but I follow him on Instagram. He is a great coach and he's vocal. He's like, no elbow up, elbow up. Nope. You're messing up. Put it up here. This is where I need it. Now go, go. And the kid's hitting. He goes, do you see the difference? Do you see the difference in what you were hitting yesterday and what you're hitting today? All because of what? And he's checking for learning. 
all because you what? I put my elbow up. And where do you put your foot? Here. And then you do what? Here. And are you seeing the, the goodness of, of your hitting? Do you see that, that you're hitting up the middle now? Yeah, keep on going. And he's like, it's just this forceful voice, but it's a motivational voice. And he's telling what he's doing right. He told him what he was doing wrong. But then he said, you're doing this right and this right and this right. And do you see the difference? This is where I need you. And there's a lot of times where teachers might be afraid to talk to a student this way or that's not their style. We all need to find our style. But what is it like for a principal to come in, the person is doing the observation and like the way that you got down to this kid's level and you spoke with him and not at him, over him, that's exactly what I love at my school. And you're bringing the mission and vision that we have for our school. And that's, I think, one of the next things that we need to do is how is the educator bringing us from point A to point B in our mission and vision? Everybody wants to know what's my purpose, what's my value, and how am I adding it to our organization? We want every kid to feel welcome. And the way you knelt down next to him, the way you lightly put your, your hand on his shoulder and you said, I believe in you, that's all I want from you. I want that support from you. Do that every single day, Miss so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, and you keep on going. The other stuff that we need to work on, I'll write it down. I'll show you. I'm going to link you up with our master teacher or whatever, and they're going to go with that. But what I saw today with the action interaction with the students, keep on doing this, that. The stuff that you need to work on, master teacher will talk to you about that sort of thing. Keep it up. But it's that, it's that what am I doing right? It's, it, the funny thing is, is I tell people, the things that we teach our students or our kids, listen to what you're telling them. Because I really feel that's almost God's way of telling you, you need to listen to your own words. Like I tell my kids, like, you can't expect to get this result if you're not putting the time and effort in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is for me. This is totally for me. And it's like, instead of having that one directional voice, have both ears open to say, you know what? I could probably get a lesson from this as well. And so we, we tell our students certain things and maybe it's the administration that say, ooh, maybe I need to do this for my teacher. It's almost like, so when you're teaching, you provide a lot of, of immediate feedback. It's formative feedback, right? It's, it's little pivots along the way. And as you were talking, it made me think you're connect before correct. It's also connecting back to the vision. It's connecting back to the mission. It's connecting back to, because you're, you can't communicate those kinds of things often enough. You can repeat it 600 times. It's that 600 first time that's possibly going to make the biggest difference. So I, I, there's a lot of parallel between how a teacher treats a class and how an administrator should te treat the teachers within the building. Oh, absolutely. I, we do an exercise. Man, I'm giving you a whole bunch of game here today. I usually charge for this stuff. Uh, I tell people to fold. Uh, I get the, the teacher explanation out. Get a piece of paper, fold it hot dog style, open it up. Put uh, your favorite teacher's name, favorite teacher that you've had, educator, coach, whatever. It could be a couple of them. What is it that you absolutely loved about this teacher? List them out. You have 10 seconds, go. And so they start to list them out. And then I start to ask people, what did you write? And then people are like, oh, that was a good one. And so they'll start to add to their list. And then I said, everyone has that one teacher. Sad to say, but everyone has that one teacher that they didn't like. He hated me. She didn't like me. She was a jerk. She did this, blah, blah, blah. Who is that? You don't have to put a name. We don't want to call anybody out. But what made that teacher that way towards you? What did they do? Angry, upset. Never gave me time to talk, cut me off, disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. And they start to make a list. And then I call on people to ask that. And I said, and here you go. The titles of your best teacher and your worst teacher, I want you to erase that um, title. And I want you to write down, this is what my students need me to be, or this is who I need to be for my students. And this is who my students do not want me to be, don't need me to be. 
and that's your cheat sheet. Like we have the answers in us. We just, we're not intentional with our thought process of the here and now. And so, uh, it's so simple, but we just need to give time to talk. We need, the kids need to be, you know, heard and listened to. And there's got to be a time for real talk. There's times where I told teachers, let's stop with the, like, the movie at the end of the year. Like, all right, let's sit down and watch this movie while I do whatever. But let's just talk. What are your guys' hopes and dreams? What is something that you guys are struggling with? And just have those real conversations. When, when we start talking about connecting, I'm going to be doing a class on how to have authentic relationships with students. Tell them your story sometimes and not, and not everything, right? You're not being like, well, I had six girlfriends in high school and I did not, not, nothing like that. But like, who's your favorite team, your sports? And I know teachers do that too, but hey, I struggled. I messed up a lot. And this is, and I found a mentor and this is what happened. Um, everyone has their own niche. Everyone has their own, uh, their own thing. But having these meaningful conversations um, is, is huge. And the reason why I say that is when we look at leadership, uh, I believe it's the, the book called The Leadership Challenge. Every person wants these four things in the leader. They want trust and honesty. They want a forward-looking, so vision, right? We talked about that. Competency, we want to make sure that our, our staff know or our leader know what they're talking about. And then they want to be inspired. And so sometimes those four things come with those honest, open conversations. They're able to trust you and the honesty. You know, when you say that you fell, you fell before flat on your face, but you got up and that's what you want for your students. That shows forward, forward looking, um, you know, inspiration. Hey, I don't need you to get a D and an A tomorrow. I need you to go from a D minus to a D. And next week we're going to work on the D plus. And then next week we're going to work on the C minus and we're going to work our way up. I don't expect an A. Whatever you can get, you can get. But I want 1% better every single day. It's having those meaningful conversations. And it goes back to intentionality. So when we look at that administration, hey, teacher, I don't want you. I'm not asking you to get teacher of the year. I just need you to fix this one thing. Master it. And then we're going to go on this thing. But this is me supporting you and building you up. Not you're crappy at this, 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 and this. It's pick one thing that you can work on today. And I'm going to help you. It's it's a journey. It's a team. It's a team thing. And when we have support, then we start to have retention. And teachers, we see this even in work. I've had people leave our work because they're going to get a $2 raise somewhere else or work more hours or whatever it was. And they came back and said, it's not worth it. I'd rather take the dollar or two pay cut and knowing that I have support here with you guys and the love and the passion that you guys have and the purpose because I know my lane in the vision and the mission moving forward. I know my place and where I stand. I'd rather it's worth it. I want to circle back to the well-being real quick. So you mentioned five essentials for well-being. What, what are those five that we really, as school leaders, need to focus on with the idea that we're building a tremendous employee experience for our people? Yeah, so that relationship piece. Um, so when I talked about the Q12 assessment, one of them is as I work with somebody, with a friend, a best friend every single day, I have the uh, all the equipment and materials and supplies that I need to get this stuff done. Those two are huge. And when people score those things, they say they don't have somebody that they can rely on at work. And they don't have all the materials and supplies that they that they need. And those two things start to create issues in their thought process. I'm not supported. They don't care about me. Nobody and likes those, me. Yeah. And those and that's all it is. And, and I talk about the way that we think dictates our belief and our belief changes our expectations. Our expectations will change our attitude. Our attitude changes our behavior and then our behavior changes our performance. 
It all stems back from the way we think. And so as soon as that complacency weed, if you will, gets in my head of I'm not supported. Oh, you better get jump on it because you need to because you need to fix that. I think it's Jim Rohn that says you have to learn to love grass and you have to learn to hate weeds. Like you have to learn because you have to know the difference of, of them. You have to be able to mow your grass and spray for weeds because if you don't know the difference, you're gonna be like, oh, it's green. It must be good. No. Like you have to learn to love and you have to learn to hate grass and weeds and that stuff. So you have to learn to love intentionality and hate complacency. And so doing that uh, with, again, with intentionality, but the five essentials to well-being is career well-being, um, financial well-being, social well-being, community well-being, and physical well-being. And we find that a couple of those are tied together. If I start to lose in my career well-being and I start to move down, then I start to say, you know what? This is not even worth it. You have teachers going on strike. You don't pay me enough. This is not worth it. When you talk about it's not worth it, the worth goes back to pay. So then you have teachers walking out and going on strikes and things like that. That just happened here not too long ago. They said, we want to get, we want better pay. All of our teachers, good teachers are leaving for better paid positions. And that pay doesn't even enter the mind if they feel supported uh, it might, right? Everyone wants to move up, right? I want to move up from a teacher and I, Hey, you know what? I love the classroom, but I want to be able to, to teach administrators and stuff like that. So I'm going to take the admin courses and things like that. And I want to w- work my way up to admin. That's fine. I get that. But when you start to say it's not worth it, or I feel undervalued, it is that pay piece, right? And so people start thinking like, well, I can, I can drive 10 extra minutes and get paid this much more if I go to this school or this school district. And so career well-being, as soon as that starts to fade, it leaks into financial. And so, and I tell people, your perks only go so far. I bought everybody donuts and I got everybody Starbucks and we and I bought everybody lunch. That That is like, I put the, the equivalent to like the, and I hate to be stereotypical, but I, I will be for a second. The deadbeat dad that doesn't come around, leaves, left his son or daughter, comes with a big shiny bike or the $100 bill just for Christmas and then see you later. I'll see you next year. Like, that's what it's it's like. It's like, oh, wow. And then and then what what next? Like, we're still arguing over classroom space. And I still, yeah, I got Starbucks, but I still don't have these materials or these books that I need or whatever it is. And so career well-being starts to go into financial well-being. So if I'm not liking work, and now I'm not liking pay. I start living paycheck to paycheck. And now I have to maybe cut expenses. And so now I'm not paying for the gym membership. And I start to binge eat, stress eat. Well, then that feeds into your physical well-being. So there's organizations that will say, hey, if you have a gym membership at this place and you go, we'll pay this much more. They pay for the gym membership or they do stuff like that. So there's some perks that help. Perks help, don't get me wrong, but they're not everything. There needs to be, uh, there's got to be when you um, um, give kind of those kudos to your your recognition to your to your staff, you need to give recognition. It needs to be timely. It needs to be uh, intentional, things like that. Uh, but uh, so career, financial goes into physical, and then I don't want to do anything. So then your social well-being and your community well-being goes out the window. Community well-being is like, do I know my neighbors? Do I have a social well-being? Is like, do I have a social life? Things like that. Do I have a best friend? And do I go and do these things? And there's more to that. But if we're not careful, 
And so the, basically the, if we're not careful, we start to dismantle our well-being. And so the rule of thumb is, is one to five, five being amazing. I love where I work. I get excited every day to one of like, I'm calling in again because I'm not going in. So one to five, you mark, you kind of grade yourself in all those. And if I am at a three or lower in two or more, uh, in two areas, I'm starting to walk my way towards uh, burnout. If I'm uh, two or or less in two or three, then I'm on the fence of, of burnout, well-being is starting to go. And so I tell people, do it quarterly. Ask, have a buddy system, right? In the military, we called it battle buddy. Have a battle buddy and say, hey, where are you? And, and I hate to bring up, you know, sad news, but it's like, I'm sure by the time people hear this, it might be a couple, a couple of weeks or maybe months old, but you know, you have somebody like, uh, um, the DJ from the Allen show Twitch who just committed suicide. Like that's, I have a, we, my wife uh, has a friend that just did his birthday party, DJed his birthday party, asked him my name do to do this birthday party. So he just had a birthday party, just had a baby. It's like, it's more than just check on your strong friends. It's kind of a cliche saying, check on your strong friends, but this is why intentionality is so important. Like burnout we need to start taking this a lot more seriously because it's not just one area it is the whole being and so if i don't like where i work i feel undervalued i feel overwhelmed i feel underpaid i'm using money out of my own pocket to decorate my classroom and things like that and then you don't have money to feed your kids or you know it's hey we can't celebrate birthdays and stuff like that we can't go on this vacation i can't reset things like that it starts to go and then i i don't go to the gym and now i don't like the way i look and i don't like the way that i feel and it's just this downward spiral. And so if we can just say, Hey, how are you doing today? Where are you one to five in this area? How can we support you? How can we help you? The well-being portion and the leadership portion and the support system to me is way more than just in school, in work. How is your wife? How's your kids? Hey, saw that they were playing soccer. If you need to get out of here, go ahead and go, go watch, go do this. And really checking in on people outside of the workplace. And is there a sort of right way to do that? Is there a wrong way to do that? Because sometimes when I talk to school leaders, there's always this, you know, I don't really know what I would ask them. Does it really matter what you ask them? Of course, there are best practices. There are questions you should, you should probably ask, but is it the intention? Is the intention more important than the specifics of what you're doing? I think the most important thing is to listen. I really feel that this is why we were blessed with two ears and one mouth, right? We need to listen more. So it's more of, not necessarily the question, but um, I do this with, I, I'll teach this to, to students, but I also tell leaders to do this too. When we tell, ask our kids, how's the day going? How's your day? What do we get? Good, fine, eh, right? And I'm like, good and fine is right like above. Like if there's a zero line, it's right above that. Phenomenal is way up here. So I'm not going to settle for fine. I'm not going to settle for good. So I tell people, get a scale of zero to 10. On a scale of zero to 10, where are you at? What's today? And they might say five, six. Cool. So if today started off great as a 10, what kind of crappy thing happened that ne- dropped it down to a five? Oh, well, I got picked on at class or I got picked last in recess or PE or whatever it was, or I got denied a girl's number or whatever it is, depending on what grade you're talking to. Okay, so what? let's say it was horrible. It was a zero. What good thing happened to jump it to a five? And so now we have these two stories. So same thing with, with our admin. Again, what we do with our kids, we could probably do with adults. So on a scale of one to five, how are, how are you feeling? I'm a six. Cool. What crappy thing brought you down from a 10 to a six? 
And then we did this and I used this in the military when we used to interrogate people. And in the police department, when we used to interrogate people. Tell me a little bit more about that. And it's just this. Yeah, really explain that for me. And then you just listen. I, I learned this as a husband, guys who are listening to this. When your wife's complaining to you and 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 kind of just dumping all this information on you, don't try to fix it. Just listen. Just be there for her. Same thing, leaders. Just listen. All this buildup, it's kind of like the kid that throws his backpack on the, on the ground and slouches in his seat, makes this long sigh. <sighs> There's a subtitle. Everyone, everybody has this subtitle that says, that says the pack, the backpack on the floor, the slouching in the thing, the loud sigh is I want attention because I need to say, take something off my chest is what that subtitle is. Like it or not, the kid wants to talk. Maybe not in that setting, but the kid wants to get something off his chest. This is the same thing. Where are you on a one to five? I really want to talk about it. Okay. So I want to make you aware subtitle. I want to make you aware that I'm not happy. I just don't feel comfortable with you or right now. Okay. Cool. So who do you feel comfortable speaking with? I want, I want you to get this off your chest. I want to be able to hear you out, help you out whenever you're ready. One, you let me know. And two, who would you rather speak to? Would you rather speak to me just not right now? Like what is the, what is the issue? What is, what's holding you back? Is it me? It's the location and that's okay. We, you can talk to someone else. I just want to know how can we come next to you and support you? Um, but tell me a little bit more about that. Or you rolled your eyes. What's behind rolling your eyes? That's okay. You're in a safe, safe place. So when we have open door policies, quote unquote, open door policies, they really need to be open door policies and a safe place for people to speak. Cause the moment that you do that, it's not going to feel safe. Yeah. I want to come back real quickly. So probably halfway through a little before halfway through, we talked about the teacher being willing to ask for help, ask for assistance. How, how do I create an environment where my teachers feel comfortable asking? Because I talk all the time about teachers want to feel heard, supported, and valued. The heard part of that means people are coming to me asking for my input, asking for suggestions, asking for areas for improvement. If I don't get that from my leader, so that's one of the core foundational parts of the employee experience is feeling heard. If nobody's asking me, if nobody is, I feel like caring about me as a teacher, or even if I'm a principal, my leadership team, superintendents and so on, don't ask for my, my input, my opinions. What's a way of, of me taking control of that situation? You could just say, go do it anyway. Probably not going to happen. Is there any other kind of strategy that you have for that? Yeah, I would just, I would say, um, create do it. Yeah. Do it yourself, but create your own environment because as soon as we start to have successes, then the question is going to be like, what, what are you guys doing? What is your best practice? Well, do you know what we started doing? Four or five of us started coming together and we started to hear each other out. We started to support each other. And then, so there's a, so there's a, a, a saying that John Maxwell says is there's a, there's a 25, 50, 25 rule. 25% of people will love everything that you say and do. 50% will be on the fence. Other 25% won't, don't want, want to do, have anything to do with you dismiss everything you say, things like that. Your goal is to pour into that 25%, still pour into everybody, but really focus on that, that positive 25% and let those people act as leaders to try to pull that 50% on this side of the fence. And the the other 25, the negative, if you will, 25% will start to see these people moving. And maybe, just maybe, you'll get these people to move a little bit cent- more center. But getting those people who, because there's going to be more people than just you that want to be heard, that want to be listened to. And so what can we do for ourselves and support each other and get our group from three to four to five. Can we have successes? Can we start to celebrate those successes? And then say, when it starts to be seen, 
how how are you guys having successes? Well, this is what we're doing. Are you open for are you open for suggestions? Because this is what we're doing. Because everything starts as a pilot. All of our programs that we have in schools, our curriculum that we have, it was a pilot first. So it can start somewhere. Again, I said the same the same before. If you're tired of what you're getting, change what you're giving. And it's gonna take that person to say, um, I need to do something about this. There's a, a song that I just heard the other day, and I heard it because of Oprah. Oprah was saying on uh, this motivational speech that she gave that she listened to a, a song by a guy named, was it Donnie, Donnie Clerkin, something like that. And basically the lyrics say, um, after you've cried all that you can cry, you've prayed all that you can pray, what do you do? You just stand. And I kind of turned it and spinned it to be like, yeah, you just stand. Laying down shows death and defeat. Kneeling shows that you've surrendered, but standing shows that I am confident. I'm not moving. I'm not, you can't, you can't move me, that I'm victorious, that I'm standing here. You can't budge me. I'm going to continue to work forward. And it is more valuable to stand. It's more meaningful to stand. And I'm going to stand for my other fourth grade teacher, sixth grade teacher, whatever it is. And we're going to move forward together, standing side by side holding each other up, however you want to look at it. And we're going to continue to strive forward because we need to be intentional with our purpose. So Juan, what's what's one action or strategy you hope each school leader takes away from this conversation that helps them create a better employee experience for their staff? Well, the old saying is treat others the way you want to be treated, right? The I think the real way to say that is treat others the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated, because we all kind of do things a little bit differently. Again, it goes back to asking, um, but lead by example, lead by example, do what's, it's not about being right. It's about doing what's right. And so the employee experience is like, go back and remember how you felt when you were the, the, te- the new, the new guy on the block. Um, offline, we talked about my father who was an educator for years in South Central LA, and he was the only Latino teacher in an all black school. Students, hundred percent black, Teachers 100% black. He was the only Latino and he ate by himself for the first month. And by the second month, there was a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Walker who walked up to him and said, can I sit here? And he said, you're more than welcome to. And so they, they sat together, broke bread, they talked, and they are best friends even to this day. And what opened the door was Jimmy Walker going back to everybody else and saying, he's not like everybody else. Their thought process was this guy is going to be, and it's funny because the Spanish side of the Alvarado last name, I'm probably the darkest person in our family, but the the Spanish side of like my mom, red hair, my dad, uh, light hair, green eyes uh, or hazel eyes. And um, he doesn't look quote unquote Mexican. All of a sudden he speaks Spanish and people are like, whoa, you speak Spanish. Um, but Jimmy Walker had to go back and say, he's not like everybody else. And it took Jimmy to be the first one, to be the leader, to be brave, to break bread. And remember, I was a first-year teacher at one point too. And I want to make sure that he has the best employee experience. The principal didn't do it. The, ad, the, ad, the administration didn't do it. It was someone like them that did it. And so I hear this story and I think my dad's a strong man, but to see my dad in a vulnerable, maybe scary place for him to be in South Central LA covered by gangs, his door is like two and a half inches thick of metal. Like you're going from Fresno or Dinuba country, you know, city in California to, to South Central LA and you're timid and you're scared and it just took somebody to be brave. And so be brave educators, be brave leaders and just do what's right have an extending hand 
and go get stuff done. Like if, again, if you, if not you, then who, and if not now, when, and today's your day. And what's one celebration you've recently experienced? I would say that I, I'm taking my own uh, advice here with the last thing that I said, but I was really close to giving up and uh, doing the whole speaker thing. I have really, really good months. And then I have months where there's nothing. And I was, you know, praying out like, God, is this what you want me to do? And it was like, just stay the course, stay the course, keep on going, keep on going. And uh, a woman came to me, or I actually found this woman and I said, uh, hey, I saw your work. We have a mutual friend um, and she's a booking agent. And so we, I just hired her to be my booking agent because I was doing a lot of the work myself and, and booking myself. And so she's helping alleviate a lot of stress on my, on my part so I can spend more time because I work from home. Uh, with my kids going to wrestling events, basketball games, taking them to and from school. And so when I talk about intentionality today, the, the, the celebration is the fact that I can work smarter, not harder, delegate some things to free up my time again, to be intentional with people. And that being my wife and my three boys and seeing our relationship become tighter and stronger. So what we were talking about a little bit earlier today is that, you know, a lot of times educators take their work home. Take your time to spend time with yourself and spend time with your family um, because your well-being is important. And so that's a victory because I, I would work myself to to hell and back pretty much. So it's, that's a victory to be to be um, well, body, mind and spirit. So, yeah. And Juan, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way of them doing that? Yeah. So uh, I have a website. Uh, it's www.weraisethebar.com. Raise with the Z. I always have to say this. I'm like, yes, I'm smart. I know how to spell, but raises with a Z. <laughs> I had to do that for copyright purposes. Somebody else had already had the raise with the S. Uh, so raisethebar.com. And then on Instagram, it's raise the bar, spelled the same, raise the bar CEO. On Facebook, it's uh, raise the bar LLC. And then uh, on LinkedIn, uh, I think it's RTB for raise the bar dash one, J-U-A-N. And uh, you can email me at, uh, if anybody wants to inquire about, you know, speaking keynotes or trainings, uh, info at we raise the bar.com. Yeah, I'll include those in the show notes as well. Yeah. Juan, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate the conversation so much. Appreciate how you're bringing focus back to intentionality and helping us to be more intentional on a daily basis. So thank you. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. If you haven't yet today, go thank an educator for all they're doing for us. This has been the Employee Experience and Education Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks, and have a wonderful day.